Now back to On the Block with Stricken Austin on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Rolling right along here on the block on a Wednesday afternoon. That means it's time to talk to Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald here on the Honda of Lincoln Hotline. Also the Sardo Heyman text line 402-464-5685 if you have thoughts. Evan, we'll jump off with uh, Husker football. A couple additions to the roster uh, this week uh, from different places. We'll start on the defensive side of the ball uh, with outside linebacker MJ Sherman, a Georgia commit. Championship pedigree, we saw that from a couple players last year. Nebraska gets Stephon Wynn from Alabama, uh, who played, didn't make a huge impact, but was at least on the field. Kane Williams, a young guy in the defensive backfield. My hope for MJ Sherman is he comes in and makes the most immediate impact in the pass rush. Do you think that's where Nebraska sees him fitting in? Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, He's got the the pedigree, like you mentioned, former five-star kid out of high school, had all the offers, and was a key cog for Georgia on that special teams unit, but you look at just the the roster that they have and the guys they have coming back next year, and it's no wonder that it's hard to carve out much time as as an edge or an outside backer, so uh, he'll absolutely have that opportunity at Nebraska where, um, you know, as everybody knows, their their leading producers are, are gone and moved on, Garrett Nelson, Caleb Tanner, Oshawn Mathis, so you would think that Sherman would have a chance to to jump in and take off and he has a what I think is a pretty interesting mix of athletic ability where you know in high school he was I think he had like a four five forty I mean elite high level speed he's grown into his frame he's closer to at least listed at around 250 pounds now so uh you know can he sort of get down in the trenches and stop the run can he drop back into coverage uh, if necessary. What does that look like for him? A really intriguing just skill set athletically that uh, you would think would, would fit right into what Tony White wants to do in that three three five. So, um, I mean, absolutely. When, when you can have a chance to, to get somebody who is as accomplished as Sherman was, and he was considered one of the top five high school linebackers in his class mm-hmm. coming out, uh, it's a little bit of a different situation than maybe some of the transfers Nebraska's had from bigger name programs before um, you know they've added guys from Alabama and, and and some other major programs that haven't necessarily played out but I think again his mix of ability with sort of the situation he was leaving at Georgia um, with with the needs that Nebraska has all sort of come together and you know you listen to him do some interviews and just his personal story as a guy um, you know, who grew up in the in the Baltimore area. His dad's uh, a senator in Liberia, trying to push social causes. So he's a, he's a bright kid too. If you hear him talk, and you put all that together, and and absolutely, that's someone who should be in the mix right away for Nebraska on the defensive side. You hear the way his old coach Kirby Smart talked about him too. I think that just adds another layer to it. On the offensive side of the ball, the wide receiver room, two additions of names we know. Xavier Betts comes back. Isaiah Garcia Castaneda comes back. What do you make of those two additions and Matt Rule's role in bringing those guys back into the fold? Yeah, really interesting. I mean, Betts, I don't think, was really on anybody's radar a month ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he when he left the team in March, it sounded like he was done with the sport. Maybe uh, football wasn't front and center in his mind at that time. And uh, so for him to resurface now with this new staff is fascinating. Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, sort of a similar story, uh, having redshirted 
in the middle of that last season, he played the four games, kept his red shirt and left. So I suppose when you look back uh, at the books, when it's all said and done, both of those guys uh, redshirted quote unquote this past year and, and they continue on. It, it sort of reminds me a little bit of, of stuff that you see sometimes in professional uh, leagues or, or teams where a team maybe will take a chance on somebody if they have a really strong culture in bringing somebody in and sort of setting the standard and the expectation. And I wonder if, especially with bets, that might be the sort of thing um, that happens now with this staff that's that's really about player development and person development. Um, if, if they brought Xavier back to um, you know, be better at both, be a better student, be a better player, um, all that sort of thing. Clearly they reached some kind of understanding. I mean, he's, he's officially back on the, on the online roster for Huskers.com. So, uh, you know, he, he is back on the team. And then I see that Garcia Castaneda is an interesting one to me too, because we don't really know kind of what his last few months have been like. I mean, we don't really have a sense for what other offers he may have had to go elsewhere. If he, intended to return when he intended to come back to Nebraska. I mean, he was somebody else who I think when he entered the portal in September, there really wasn't much of a, a thought that he could end up back in Lincoln. So two guys who had to a room that's resetting yet again, right? I mean, you have Marcus Washington, Alante Brown is returning producers, but everything else is, is going to be a bunch of new faces, whether that's young guys who are on the team, whether that's Josh Fleeks from Baylor or Billy Kemp from Virginia, uh, just a lot of new faces to, to put in the mix. And I suppose you can count uh, Betts and Garcia Castaneda in that group, uh, um, you know, in a position group that I think is defined by, um, you know, it's sort of a blend of different abilities. You've got guys who are uh, a little bit shorter and maybe shiftier like Kemp. You have guys like Betts uh, who have some straight line speed. Um, you know, Marcus Washington kind of showed a little bit of everything last year. So it'll be interesting to see how it all comes together here starting this spring. You look at that wide receiver room as well, coached by Garrett McGuire. He's basically these guys' age. I know a lot's been made of that. But if you look at you know Betts and Garcia Castaneda coming back into the fold, um, they already know guys like Alante Brown and like Marcus Washington. I, I know we won't know till we get in the season, but do you think in that situation Garrett McGuire's age could help him connect with those guys in, in that similar station of life? Or do you think he'll be relying a lot on someone like a Kemp or a Fleeks in that room uh, to help him connect with those guys and help guide him through? Uh, you know, I think it could be a blend of both. There probably will be some times when he could relate to these guys on a personal level. You know, I know Billy Kemp, this will be his sixth college season. Yeah. He's a year younger right now than Garrett McGuire is. Like, that's sort of the dynamic that you have. But, you know, you look at the staff that Matt Rule's putting together in terms of the, the quality control folks and the analysts and the behind-the-scenes people, there are a number of, of more veteran coaches in that room, too. So I, I don't expect that this is going to be Garrett McGuire sort of on his own um, without much support. I think you'll see I mean, you'll see Matt Rule around. You'll see Marcus Satterfield, the OC, around. So he'll have some help there as well. But I do think it was important for Nebraska to bring in some sort of veteran playmakers, especially, you know, a guy like Fleeks who, who played under rule for a couple of years and sort of uh, is, is willing to spread the gospel, spread the good news about um, just how things can turn around if you buy into what he's doing and saying. And, you know, Kemp is the same sort of deal, a veteran, almost 200 career catches. This is somebody who won't be intimidated by the big stage. And so I think those guys in particular, you could, you could add Marcus Washington to that, to that group as a senior 
um, will be valuable when you look at some of these other uh, players coming back, whether that's Garcia Castaneda, whether that's Betts, who's still a pretty young player. And again, they have a lot of other, I think, interesting pieces uh, that we'll sort of start to figure out as the season gets going in the fall when you get Malachi Coleman on campus and some of the other folks um, you know, who signed. So it, it's been tough, right? You think about Nebraska's receiver room the last few years, it feels like it's reset dramatically every year. I mean, they've changed position coaches for a few years in a row now. Uh, they've relied on the portal, and they've actually had some success with Samori Toure and uh, Trey Palmer. Um, so we'll see if they can keep that going. But you'd like at some point for there to be a little bit of stability and consistency. And, you know, while a lot of these guys will be in the room for just one year, I think they would tell you that um, if they can help set a standard um, that, that can be built upon in future years, that would be considered a success. The the big conversation is all going to be about who's going to be wide receiver number one, who gets the most targets, catches, yards, whatever. Who gets jersey number two? Tommy Hill switched over to offense after Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda left, took jersey number two. Is there a fight for that jersey number now? <laughs> maybe, maybe. I mean, I, I think I read about Matt Rule that did previous stops, like certain guys that uh, exhibited, I mean, you have to earn it somehow. Like players can earn uh, the ability to pick their numbers. I don't know if that's going to carry over to Nebraska or not, but I think that's sort of an interesting concept where, uh, you know, in, in theory, you could have a whole number of different guys sort of earn that right to pick a number. Um, I don't know. What's what's the cool number? Is two a cool number? I, I suppose it I seems know. sort of cool. I, I don't know what's a cool number or not a cool number. I never wore number two personally. I flipped that around and wore five. Is Strick, two a cool number in your estimation? Um, I mean, I, to me, a cool number is a number that I wore. So I, <laughs> I don't know what a cool number is. My football number was six. So I, you know, then my basketball numbers were 20 and 21. So obviously as a receiver, <laughs> uh, those lower numbers were, seemed to be more cool than the higher numbers. And there's, a that's two, my thought. Yeah. And th- there's a two and 20, there's a two and 21. It's at least in there somewhere. So if strict ward, it's cool enough for me. As we're, uh, we're talking here with Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Evan, we're about a month out from Husker baseball starting, and everyone's going to need to wear name tags. It's a good thing the jerseys are on the back of those uniforms because, my goodness, we know the roster turnover. But let's focus on the guys who are back. To me, there are four that, while you can't sharpie anyone in after a disappointing season basically across the board last year, I still think there are some building blocks. You look at Max Anderson, you look at Bryce Matthews, Griffin Everett, and Garrett Anglem coming back. Are those the four guys that you feel best about having starting day spots in that lineup? Um, in the lineup, yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I, I think most of the the outfield could be could potentially be totally different. You'll probably see Garrett Anglem out there, but uh, you're going to see a lot of faces there. Um, the infield, certainly the same way. Josh Karen, I think, will get a lot of time at catcher. He was on the team last year, but didn't have a. He wasn't a regular starter. So yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you know, Griffith Everett, Everett was someone who could have moved on after last year, and so there, there's a lot of value in having a guy who can be your designated hitter, who can catch, who can play a little first base even if he needs to. Um, that's that's somebody that you like. I mean, you mentioned Max Anderson and Bryce Matthews. Those guys have played all over the infield, are pretty flexible. This is their their draft eligible year, so there's certainly some motivation for them to to show what they can do. Um, so yeah, I think that's 
that's probably a good starting spot. And then, you know, on the pitching side, quite honestly, there's uh, a lot of turnover as well. I mean, you're, you're going to be relying on transfers like Jace Kaminska mm-hmm. in the rotation. You, you essentially don't have a closer, uh, anyone who has at least had experience in that role on the team. And then I think really the, the holdover that people will recognize is probably a, a rotation guy would be Emmett Olson, who really came mm-hmm. on late. Last year, he kind of sneakily became one of the better pitchers in the Big Ten in the second half of the season. So uh, to me, when you look at the outlook of this team, it it picks up where last year left off, which is I think the strength is going to be the pitching. They appear to have a lot of depth there, uh, and and they they needed that last year with the injuries. Um, But the big question to me is, man, what do you do about the offense? How much better – can that thing get because in a in a climate of college baseball where power took off and run scoring escalated uh, Nebraska had its worst offensive showing by a lot of metrics in decades and so how do you how do you generate those runs do you do you try to lean in more on on home run power do you try to go back to the small ball route with stolen bases and, and bunting and things of that nature um, but that to me is the first thing I'm looking at in terms of how does Nebraska go from uh, missing its own conference tournament last year to where it was two years ago, contending for a league championship and for a postseason berth. As you watched that offense last year, was it a lack of talent or bad approach for the most part? Um, you know, probably a little bit of, of all of that. You know, college baseball, it, there's there's so much momentum that goes into that. Like when, when you talk about hitting being contagious, and it just never really picked up for Nebraska. I thought – they were really optimistic around this time last year with their lineup about being a power group. They said, you know, um, they're going to swap out some, some of the bunting and, and small ball approach to try to be more of a double hitting team and, a, you know, a power in the gaps sort of group. And it just didn't happen. There were a lot of strikeouts, a lot of pop-ups. Uh, it just, there wasn't a lot of, of dynamic um, ability in that lineup. And I, I think that's especially important in a league like the big 10, where you're going to have these games when it's, it's going to be bad weather. It's going to be cold. It'll be rainy. Uh, it'll be, you know, whatever. And you're not just going to be able to swing away. You're going to have to find other ways to generate offense. And I just don't know that they were able to do that. So I'll be curious to see again, if you can be, be versatile in the way that you score and, and they've added some pieces uh, that can do that. I think Casey Burnham's an interesting guy in the outfield. He's sort of, Reminds me a little bit of Jackson Hallmark in terms of his speed power blend. Uh, you hear Bryce Hughes' name's a lot, name a lot. He's a junior college transfer who's probably going to be a middle infielder uh, and a number of other guys too. But, um, you know, you look at the schedule too, and these first three weeks, in my opinion, are really critical in terms of setting that RPI baseline and, and, and beginning to craft that postseason resume. When you go to San Diego, you go to South Alabama, and then you have a, a crack at a couple SEC superpowers like Ole Miss and Vanderbilt. Um, it, there's going to be a lot of onus, I think, on Nebraska in the next month to figure out the best lineup, the best um, you know pitching rotation, so you can hit the ground running and really get off to a good start for this season. February 17th, the first game for Husker baseball, 30 days out. Crazy that we are already at that point. Evan Bland of the Omaha World-Herald, thanks for joining us as always on Wednesdays. Thanks for your time. We hope to talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Stay safe out there. You too. That's, again, Evan Bland. Check his work out at Omaha.com. When we come back, we have the crossover. DP and Jay believe are in the building. We'll chat some Husker hoops, see what else the guys have going on on Old School when we get back.